It's a playoff edition of First and Now, the official BC Lions podcast. Matt Baker alongside Nick Kowalski broadcasting inside the Go Goat Sports Studios at the Wall Center, 1000 Burrard Street. That's Karrison Price. Nice little interview with Lions running back James Butler. Be sure to check that out on their platform, your platform of choice. And uh, Nick, we're excited. We're, all, we're always excited to be doing this, but <laughs> a little more bounce in the step this week as uh, we are officially in playoff mode. Lions and Stampeders in the Western semifinals Sunday, 1.30 BC place going to be fun. Yeah, yeah, it's why you play the game. Uh, we, we got the home field advantage, the dome field advantage this week, so we get to be indoors and really looking forward to Sunday. Um, In my opinion, these teams have played some of the best CFL games of the year, at least the first two. Uh, so it's, I'm hoping for another classic with with the good guys coming out on top. Yeah, and uh, did you just break news there? I'll, I think it kind of was out there already. The roof is expected to be closed. So part of that is weather forecast. Part of that is um, taking advantage of the dome field advantage, like you say. Uh, the upper bowl is open, uh, certain sections of the upper bowl. So might be some flashbacks to week one against Edmonton when we uh, we announced 34 and change in there, but it seemed at least that in there. Um Vancouver is always an event town. Uh, as mentioned, Nathan Rourke is back. So this is going to be a very exciting day of football, exciting week of buildup. And uh, we're going to talk about some of the exciting ticket promotions. We keep announcing new things every day, it seems. Um, some exciting promotions for fans on Vancouver Island. We'll get to all that. But um, it is Western semifinal week. And I mentioned Nathan Rourke. We have to touch on it a little bit, uh, a game in Winnipeg that did not mean anything in terms of standings, although props to the first place Blue Bombers, they came out in the first quarter in a bit, uh, approaching it like a playoff game, uh, wanting to remind people who's boss, at least in the West, for now, on paper. But uh, Nathan Rourke, 16 plays, three series, uh, produced three points, a little unlucky with a, a strip sack fumble, killed some momentum on the opening drive, but... Um, he's not going to put a percentage on his foot health-wise, but uh, Nathan will be the guy and uh, really was exciting and uh, and very happy for him to get some playing time. Mm-hmm. And if you take it from the source himself, he said he, said he felt good. I uh, said I liked what he said when he when he brought up that he didn't make any mental errors in his quarter right. fork. He, the, the errors that he made were physical, and I'm sure he'd want that lucky whitehead throwback, even that Keon Hatcher one um, back, that those two deep shots that he took early on and – the strip sack, he said, was not a mobility issue. It was just a ball security issue he brought up today, and he knows that um, he has all the skill set to, to to take off if he really wants to. But we'll see. We'll see what he does this Sunday. I'm again really looking forward to it. He he's a passer that averaged over 350 yards a game this season, so he definitely brings a massive boost to this offense, and it's it's, it's exciting to see that he's going to be a, be leading it here in the playoffs. Yeah, recording this on a Tuesday, all we had sample size-wise uh, on this particular day was a walkthrough. Uh, the offense uh, was out there, but um, no formal team drills or anything. They they got some special teams work in. A day of install, they call it, the football lingo. So the first, the official day one of practice will go down on Wednesday. Wednesday in Surrey, Thursday, Friday at BC Place, final walkthrough Saturday at BC place. So yeah, a bit of a different feel this week. Uh, They, they will move indoors. And as we record this, it is sunny, but raining in downtown Vancouver. So should be a nice little rainbow uh, as we're both driving home after this recording, but lions and Stampeders um, was officially known 
when was it officially known? Was it after Toronto? After the Edmonton game. After Edmonton. Everything but, settled, yeah. Well, officially known that they were going to play Calgary after we lost in Toronto, because that night Winnipeg clinched first place yes. right after that. Locked up the home game portion of it after Edmonton. So what I'm getting at here is it's been a collision course for a while. Lions and Stampeders meeting in the Western Division semifinal. Um, you've credit to you mainly, you've done more of an official deep dive on this. We're going to get into this right now. This matchup here, so many juicy storylines, Lions and Stampeders. Of course, um, I rewatched good chunks of both our wins there in Calgary. Um, one of them in overtime, another 41 40 on one, uh, Mr. Rourke let an amazing fourth quarter come back a couple of big completions, but, um, playmakers, statistical leaders, game breakers on both sides of this playoff rivalry so intriguing let's get into it mm-hmm. what intrigues you most in this matchup it's got to be the two young quarterbacks the up-and-comers and yep. Nathan Rourke and Jake Mayer but I mean when you look at this matchup Calgary and BC finished number one and number two in the entire league in net offense so that's just total yards got on offense uh, yards on first down. So we got the two best teams on a very important down in the Canadian Football League, which is because you only get two of them on offense. Um, first and big, first and second and big plays for, and also big plays against. So it's offenses that make big plays, and then it's yeah. defenses that don't allow big plays. So something's got to give there. But these these young quarterbacks, they're the ones making these big plays. And that's one of the big stats people look to now: yards per play, and uh, especially with Nathan. Um, I mean, you, you, you hit on it in Winnipeg there. He he tried taking a couple of those deep shots early. Yeah, uh, production on first down is going to be key because um, mentioned the two running backs, the top two running backs as far as uh, rushing in the league. Of course, JB yards from scrimmage had an edge on Kadeem Carey. So um, which running back is going to pound his way to more yards? That's going to be a big path to victory. So um but the yards per play aspect and the first down production aspect of it is if uh, the Lions can get themselves into second and short, conversely, force Calgary into second and long, make Jake Mayer beat you. I was talking to Bob Marjanovic, our, our radio play-by-play guy, just kind of going back and forth about the matchup here. And that's one of the things people are pointing to. Calgary's running game, Calgary's special teams, maybe some big advantages. Although, you know what? JB's no downgrade on Kadeem Carey, I don't think, with all due respect. Both great players. But make Jake Mayer beat you, and I think you're going to be in okay shape. So that production on first down is going to be huge on both sides. Lions offense, Lions defense. Mm-hmm. And our, the BC Lions run defense is a huge task in front of them too. Huge. In those two losses that Calgary had to us this season, they ran the ball a total of 25 times. But then when they beat us that in the third game, they ran it 19 times alone in that game. So they committed more to the run. I mean, we saw that last week too with Kadeem Carey sat out uh, just to sit him out because they already had third place uh, wrapped up. But they had Diedrich Mills. They had Peyton Logan back there. Tommy Stevens is looking like a 2019 Chris Trevler out there as a gadget quarterback, and he's making plays. He had the, he had that Nathan Rourke like 85 yard, yeah, uh, third and one touchdown, end so, around thing. Yeah, yeah. so I, I imagine Ryan Phillips and the entire defensive unit uh, down here in BC, they're scouting for that. They're scouting for Tommy Stevens. Uh, they know how versatile Kadeem Carey is, and then Dietrich Mills is a hard runner. Peyton Logan's a speed guy, so the Stamps are going to come at you with a lot of different runners, and they're all effective. Yeah, and uh, Calgary, like us, you said it, they they had nothing to play for standings-wise, so maybe didn't show a whole lot offensively. Maybe a bit of a vanilla game plan, but 
yeah, you, 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 we broke it down quite nicely there. Uh, we're going to talk about X factors before we're done. We're going to speak with Dustin Nielsen from TSN, uh, TSN 1260 radio in Edmonton, CFL on TSN. He's going to be calling uh, the playoffs in the West. So we'll get him uh, out here on the West coast later this week. We'll talk to him in just a few minutes time, but uh, while we have a few minutes before uh, Dustin um, patches in virtually, two of the more crazy games you'll ever see were the Lions' two wins there. Of course, Calgary came in here, the, the most recent meeting, and, and kind of suffocated the Lions uh, 25-11. And um, using a running attack, I, I, I think Carey didn't quite have 100 that night, but he was close. But... Um, that was that was kind of that was that was kind of more of a desperation situation for the Stampeders because they didn't want to get swept. But and watching snippets of our two wins in Calgary, though, we'll focus more on those. The first one was August thirteenth. Um, Lions trailed this one twenty to three at one point. Trailed at thirty to seventeen at the half, and got to within two points. Uh, Brian Burnham, probably probably a big turning point in the Lions race for second. A third and nine completion to Burnham in double coverage led to a touchdown. Burnham doesn't make that catch. We're going there this week. Yep. They're not coming here. But y- you can point to a lot of single moments and said if that didn't go that way, who knows? But a real the real crazy sequence in the end of that game was so after the Burnham play, they get the touchdown. It's 33-31. Then on the ensuing kickoff, the air is out of the balloon big time. Peyton Logan returns it to the house. It's a nine-point deficit again, but the Lions uh, got off the mat and won that game. Um, The winning field goal by Sean White came on a drive that started back on the own six-yard line. Uh, Cameron Judge roughing the passer call kind of gave the Lions life on that drive. And uh, Sean White hits the field goal with two seconds left, but just a crazy, crazy sequence of events in the fourth quarter alone in that first meeting. Yeah, that third and nine play to Brandon Burnham for why you highlighted it, the terms of that. If we don't get that, the game is over. We finish third place. We're going there. So that third and nine play, is, is that's my play of the year for the BC Lions, in my opinion. It was double coverage, must have, and Brian Burnham came up with it. He had 165 yards in that game, too. Scored that touchdown on third and two, another fourth down. Yeah, third down or fourth on the same quarter, drive, another right? fourth yeah. quarter, third down conversion. Yeah, so I mean that 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 was my game of the year as well. It was just a, we were on the sidelines for that last drive. We were it was it was forty to thirty eight for for the Stampeders, and I thought in my head Nathan was playing such good football that time that I really didn't have a doubt that Nathan was going to drive us down and get at least a field goal in that situation, which is what happened. There was also that that played a lucky Whitehead that put us into range too. That was just fantastic. Another another kind of double covered situation there. Um, but th- that win was was pretty amazing. The, the Lions generated 533 yards of offense in that win too. Yeah, 533 to 286, something like that. And um, so that's, yeah, that was um, just a crazy, crazy night. Bo Levi under center in that game too? No, yeah. No, yeah. Yeah, completely, two completely different quarterbacking matchups in, in those first two meetings, right? Because... Uh, the second one, four weeks later, the 17th of September, VA's first start. Remember the week before, he, we were in Montreal, was right after the trade. I think he got like, I think he only got one series in the second quarter in Montreal. 
and then made his uh made his official debut, I should say, in Calgary. Uh, 32-31 in overtime. Um, Butler, James Butler outdueling Kadeem Carey that night, 83 yards to 61 on the ground. A monster game from Brian Burnham before the injury. Burnham expected to play this week, by the way. We'll talk more about him <laughs> before the end, I'm sure. Burnham had 100 uh, yards over seven catches. Uh, Malik Henry, a big X-factor for the Stamps, went over 100 yards that game. But uh, this one was kind of a back-and-forth affair. And the Stampeders had a chance to win it at the end of regulation on a a Rene Paredes field goal attempt. But um, a rare miss from Rene. But remember, we we looked at this after. It was Nathan Cherry got his fingertip on it. So Her Nathan Cherry, yeah. And that was one of Nathan Cherry's first starts, I think, at defensive tackle. So you talk about a Lions team that's getting key contributions from different players. Nathan Cherry, bit of an unsung hero moment for him. Another note about Cherry, too. So Calgary turned the ball over two times combined in those three games against us this year. One of those turnovers was a Nathan Cherry uh, forced fumble on Diedrich Mills in that first game. Yeah. So that's another big play he made against the Stampeders. But the Lions uh, in this one... They took a lead into the fourth quarter, 20 to 13. Uh, Calgary Calgary gets back into it and then um, gets a tying touchdown from, I, I always hate pronouncing this guy's name, Luther Hakanavanu. Hakanavanu, yeah. Am I saying that? You yeah. just got to say it real I've fast. Lived, I've lived that one too, yeah. So that's what tied it. And then the Lions kind of missed their opportunity, go two and out on their ensuing drive. And... That's when on the sidelines, they're like, okay, there's way too much time here. They're, they're going to get Paredes into field goal range, and it was a good effort. We'll get him next week at home because it was a home-on-home series, remember. But as we talked about, overtime, and uh, we mentioned the, the big night for James Butler. He had the touchdown on the Lions' uh, overtime possession. Antonio Pipkin um, gets, after a, a Sean Lemon takes a penalty on the Lions' two-point attempt, it's easy to forget that. You have to go for two in overtime. I, I was having people ask me after, why'd you go for two? Why'd, well, you have to. It's the rules. It's been yeah. the rule for a long time now. So James Butler scores, and then um, the Lions allow a Jalen Philpot touchdown, a four-yard pass from Mayer, and the two-pointer uh, fails. The Stamps, remember, or can't challenge it. Remember, it gets reviewed for pass interference, so we th- think we've won it, and then there's, okay, there's a review, a long review. Ruling on the field stands, game over. Uh, some on-field fireworks yeah, happened after, everybody which, shook hands and which we won't that. we won't rehash. And uh, it's like, man, just won twice in Calgary in a span of four weeks. This team really is something. So very fun. Yeah. Another another note about that game is everyone's talking about this Calgary rushing attack, but the Lions pounded the ball twenty four times for one hundred and thirty three yards and put it in the end zone three times on the ground too. So I think. Uh, JB, the old line and Kelly Bates will have something to say about uh, who has the best rushing attack in the CFL when it comes down to it. Cause they've proved that they can move the ball on, on Calgary, which Calgary has a good run defense too. So. Yeah. And uh, Hey, line of scrimmage, say it all the time. That's going to be huge here. Uh, the lions again, injury wise, expecting to have Burnham back. Lucky whitehead. We're not sure yet. Probably won't know officially until later in the week. Uh, you never know. It's a long week of prep and rehab here. We'll see again day one of Wednesday practice what uh, what it holds as far as guys limited, full, whatever the case may be. So 
going to be fun. Uh, Western semifinal. Uh, if you're a fan on Vancouver Island, uh, head to our website, bclions.com. Brilliant ticket opportunity. Uh, free bus fare to and from the ferry terminal with the purchase of a BC Lions ticket. Have to get your ferry passenger ticket as well. Uh, but still, very good deal. You pay for your ferry and a Lions ticket. Leave those. Uh, it's it's a package that starts at forty bucks. So forty bucks, you get a ticket to the game and bus to and from the ferry terminal upon arrival. Um, our youth ticket program is back. Uh, kids seventeen and under get in for only ten dollars. So no excuses to not go. Uh, you won't find a better deal in the city. So going to be very exciting. It's going to be an amazing crowd. I'm really looking forward to that thing. I think one of my keys to this game too if we want to get into all that, is that I want, or home field should make a difference. The crowd needs to make a Huge. difference in this yep. game. It's going to be played indoors, so the feeling, the field is pretty neutral in terms of weather, but the crowd can truly make a difference. And it's shaping up that it's going to be that way, which is another positive sign for should the be over, defense. Yeah, should be over 30,000. You just never know. All right, first and now, the official BC Lions podcast. Uh, we'll get the perspective of one Dustin Nielsen. Hey, he's called a lot of Lions games this year, so... He knows full well this exciting lion story. We'll talk to Dustin in just a moment on First and Now. And we have the man now, Dustin Nielsen uh, from TSN 1260 Edmonton, the CFL on TSN. Uh, he'll be keeping uh, Glenn Suter and Farhan Lalji in line here Sunday. Not an easy task. And uh, <laughs> Dustin, um, gr- good to get you on. Um, we've, uh, we've, you've been a, uh, been one of the constants as far as uh, the games go this year. A lot of Lions games. How much you been enjoying it? A lot, man. I've been enjoying it quite a bit. I uh, I love being the kind of the guy in the West. I I didn't go past Winnipeg all season, so it's Winnipeg one way, it's BC the other, and uh, I really enjoy it. Especially, I love the Vancouver games because it's a direct flight from Edmonton. Going to Regina and going to Winnipeg right now on Air Canada, you have to go like through Calgary, no matter what. So this weekend, coming out for the game, nice direct flight down to Vancouver. It's going to be great. And I've been waiting for this game basically like for a month and a half now. I kind of knew that this is the way it was trending, whether it was going to be in BC or Calgary. Uh, but this should be just a phenomenal game. I did that 41-40 game earlier in the year. And that was, I mean, that's a game of the year. That was amazing. So I hope we get something like that. Yeah, we we kicked that around uh, in our opening segment about how um, these two teams basically been on a collision course. Yeah, you said it for for the last month and change. Uh, the matchup was official back on October eighth. Just took us a couple weeks uh, to lock up second place. But you know, we we've, we've broken down all the categories, Dustin. Um, for a division semifinal, it really is rare you get two complete teams like this. You know, how excited are you from that aspect of it? Yeah, this has to be one of the best division semifinals in a long time. I mean, based on win-loss record, this should be a division final. I mean, it it just should. The fact that the Calgary Stampeders won as many games as they have and have to go on the road, I mean, it's happened one other time or whatever it is in the history of the Canadian Football League. So um, I think that alone sort of sets us up very nicely. But both of these teams, not only... I mean, these these are two teams that have great cup constructed rosters. In my opinion, um, you could put these teams up against great cup champions for the last 10 years or so, including the bombers who, you know, the winner of this game will face and they're going to be just fine and have a very good chance to win. I mean, both teams can run the ball. Both teams have young, exciting quarterbacks. Both teams are getting healthy at exactly the right time, which might be the 
biggest storyline coming into this game, considering, you know, teams have missed guys due to injury over the last little while. And it looks like everything's trending in the right direction as well. You know, both teams are, you know, extremely well coached, have coaches who have won it. Um, and both defenses are really good as well. I just, you're right. I mean, as far as a matchup goes, man, it doesn't get any better than this, which is why I think this is going to be an absolutely tremendous football game. This thing has to come down to maybe, I mean, what is it, 61% of games have been in the final three minutes or something like that so far this season. I'd be yeah. pretty surprised if we don't get another one this weekend. And yeah, we we got some we got two young up and coming quarterbacks uh, going on head to head to head here with Nathan Rourke and Jake Mayer. Are you expecting to be a shootout, or are you expecting the defenses maybe to get the better of each other? I I'm hoping for a shootout. You guys know me; I get pretty excited in those <laughs> high score games, so I'm hoping for a shootout. You know, it's I mean, we'll see where Nathan's at. I did that game uh, last week, and he looked he looked okay for a guy who hadn't played in a while. I mean, his decision-making was there. Maybe timing was just off a little bit, but I'm assuming at home, uh, in good conditions, uh, you know, things should probably go pretty well for him. And Jake Mayer's interesting because, you know, he hasn't had that huge game just yet. And the Calgary's a team that doesn't really require him to go off for 400 yards and, and three touchdown passes just because they run the ball so well. So... Are we going to get 41-40 again? I mean, probably not. But do we get 30-27 or something like that? I think that's definitely in the cards. I mean, I don't want to take anything away from the quarterbacks, but with two of the best running backs in the league as well going head-to-head in this game, I mean, maybe the game's on the ground a little bit more than than we've seen in the past. So there's certainly different ways that this can be won. Um, but, yeah, Jake, Jake Mayer, I've, I've said it a few times doing the, a lot of his games, is that you know he hasn't had – you know, that Nathan Rourke type game just yet. And I mean, this is a first taste of the playoffs for these guys. So we'll see how both of them kind of handle the moment. Mm-hmm. And both of them seem to be getting back uh, a key piece on offense and, and BC it's Brian Burnham. That's looking like he's going to be able to go. And then in Calgary, Malik Henry could be back in their lineup this week. So if both of those guys are back, how important is that for their offenses? I mean, if, if both those guys are back, both teams are pretty much at 100% here. Are they not? I mean, that's kind of how it's trending. Um, Burnham, I mean, I don't really need to say too much about Brian Burnham. Um, you know, the, the pros pro as far as that saying goes. I mean, it'd be huge for Nathan Rourke to get him back. And it also, you know, I, th- I think the BC Lions offense is just more dangerous, not just because Brian Burnham's back healthy, but because that would probably allow them to push Keon Hatcher back to the outside Hatcher's such a good player I rave about him all season long I love the way that they can move him around and he's still extremely effective so that'll go a long way obviously in a in a one game got to win it to move on situation I'm not sure how many more receivers there are around the league that you'd rather have in your lineup than Brian Burnham so that'd be a huge get for the BC Lions and then on the other side Malik Henry's really interesting because I was talking with uh with Dave about him, Dave Dickinson with a couple weeks ago. And I thought he described him in a pretty unique way. He, this is when they had lost him. And I said, you know, what's your lineup missing with Malik Henry in the season that he's had. And he said, there's a lot of really, really good wide receivers in the league, but not many of them that he would describe as scary. And he says, he describes Malik Henry as a receiver that would, you know, put fear into a defense. He said, you know, maybe there's a handful of guys in the league that kind of fit that bill. And Malik Henry, due to his speed, is probably one of them. 
And, uh, you know, I think that's fair. I think he also mentioned Lucky Whitehead because of his speed and his explosive would also be in that uh, that scary category as well. I mean, and if you look at this game with the way that Rhymes has played so far this year, I think you probably throw him in a scary category as well. So no shortage of offensive weapons. I'll tell you guys right now, my flight home on Sunday night after calling this game will be extremely disappointing if this game's like 17-12 for some reason. Like, there's no way, there's no way that happens with this with these two teams and this much offense. And but but both defenses are good. I thought I don't know what to expect, man. This is going to be great. Well, the Lions did have a 17-12 game right on the dot this year. Beat Hamilton, remember? So <laughs> it has <laughs> happened. Now Lions tie cats, Lions Lions stamps. I can't remember if you did that Lions tie cats game, Dustin. For I don't me, think I did that game. No, I don't was, think um, I did. So say the precedent uh, has been there, but yeah, you're right. If if there's less than thirty combined points here, I think I think we'll all be very very flabbergasted. Um, you know, we've talked quarterbacks and receivers. Uh, both teams well equipped at both positions, but have to give some love to the running backs here. I know it was a big question mark for the lions going into this season would was would james butler be that guy would he be able to have that second gear more yards from scrimmage than anybody else you know kadeem carey won the rushing title but um how impressed have you been with this sort of renewed lions running attack this season yeah you know what i uh I did that very first game when he had four touchdowns in the first half. Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be incredible. And, uh, you know, I, I think when they lost Rourke, uh, you know, I think the entire offense took a little time to adjust and kind of get back to what they were. And that probably includes Butler a little bit. But down the stretch here, he has been absolute money. And he's such a threat out of the backfield. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but when I was prepping for the last Lions game I did his catch rate's like 90%. I know it's different because they're coming yeah. out of the backfield, but still, I mean, the guy doesn't drop many footballs. So that could end up being a big factor in this game as well. And, you know, we talk a lot about Kadeem Carey on the other side because he did lead the league in rushing. Butler had a really good crack at, at getting there as well. But, um, you know, he's he's more dangerous, I would think, out of the backfield. Calgary's kind of got, you know, a two- or three-headed monster, or however you want to swing it on the other side of the football. Um, but James Butler, the fact that, you know, a little bit of a, a mid-season lull maybe, um, but then to to continue on strong at the end of the year, I think that's huge. And no matter who wins this game, if you're going to go into IG field and beat the Bombers, and look, the Bombers are phenomenal, back-to-back Great Cup champs, franchise record. Um, but if you're going to beat them, and I do think it's possible for either of these teams to beat them, um, or at least I wouldn't view it as a huge upset if whoever wins this game goes out there and, and knocks off the Bombers at IG field. Um, the one thing you got to have is a running game, I would think. And James Butler, and on top of that, you know, an offensive line, and you guys would know this probably better than me, but in, I mean, relative, pretty much healthy for about the first half of the season. And then, you know, a few guys banged up along the way, and some other guys have had to step in there. But uh, mm-hmm. I don't want to take anything away from James Butler. Plus, he told us on a Zoom earlier in the year that he would like to get into broadcasting one day. So uh, I fully got that guy's back. We'll see how it plays out. Yeah, perfect chance for us to plug the Kicking It with JB podcast with James Butler, who again also joined Sakaris and Price in this very studio this week. So yes, uh, we're here for all the James Butler content. Uh, one constant with the Stampeders, though, Dustin, you know this, you've been calling games for a few years now. Um, they have the playmakers, but so good up front. Uh, the offensive line uh, with the likes of uh, McEwen. I know they lost Derek Dennis here at BC Place back in late September, but a big reason that Kareem Carey won the rushing title is because 
you know, the Stampeders so well up front. I mean, just how important is it for the Lions defensive front to exploit that the best they can here come Sunday? Yeah, you know what's funny is that, you know, we sit here and we talked about the running backs, both young quarterbacks, exciting matchup there. No shortage of receiver. We didn't even mention Reggie Bagleton. I mean, Reggie Bagleton is as steady as they come as well. Um, But this game probably does come down to the line. I mean, both sides, both sides of it, because... Calgary's offensive line has been tremendous this year. There's a, I don't know if you you see it on Twitter. There's a great little rivalry between Derek Taylor and Danny Austin. I know that everybody's buddies. Oh yeah. Uh, but the <laughs> debate back and forth on Winnipeg's offensive line versus Calgary's offensive line. And you know, I will say Calgary's quarterbacks, because that Calgary offensive line statistically, it's not even comparable this year from a lead the league in rushing yards, basically don't surrender any sacks. Both quarterbacks, though, Bo Levi Mitchell, you guys know Bo, he doesn't hold on to the ball very long at all, and either does Jake Mayer. So they get protection, but they also move the ball very quickly, which I think is important. Uh, But that Calgary offensive line, to lose Dennis, who's having the season that he was having, and uh, sure, of course, they're going to miss a beat. I mean, he's one of the best offensive linemen in the entire league, but that group in the middle there has been excellent all season, and the ability that they have shown, whether whether Kadeem carries in the game or he's not in the game. Dietrich Mills, I think, had three or four starts this year and ran for 100 yards in every single one of them. And yeah. Peyton Logan averages over six yards per carry as well. All three of these running backs average over six yards per carry. They have one thing in common. They run behind an absolutely tremendous offensive line. So Matthew Betts, Boom Guachem, those guys are going to have to do some damage on the outside to try to get in there to make a difference. And then, I mean, if you just simply flip it, uh, Calgary's defensive line is scary. I mean, Arimalade is a monster. Sean Levin's having a phenomenal season. Mike Rose, I think, is at seven sacks in the interior of that defensive line. Um, but we know Nathan Rourke's ability to move the ball extremely quickly as well. And when healthy this year, that BC Lions offensive line was tremendous as well. Like You guys said it right off the top. Like, breaking down the matchups in this game, it's, it's very even all the way across the board. So what this might come down to is just looking after the football, right? That's That could possibly be... Um, how this game breaks down, because as good as the defenses are, the offenses are going to get their points. But can a defensive player make a play here or there to uh, kind of change the, the the momentum of the game? Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, the, the third facet of the game, we got uh, Sean White, Rene Paredes. Oh, yeah, the two best yeah. in the league, too. And 90% like, yeah. field goal percentage. <laughs> not, so. not only two best in the league, we're talking like two or three of the two of the maybe the top five all time. I think that might not even be putting it. I might be too conservative. Like if you look at sure, them, Sean yeah. White's at like what 91% this year. Paredes is having a phenomenal year as well. Every time I'm getting game net those together, like Paredes, best kicking percentage of all time. Sean White, number three. Like, and then on the return game, I mean, you guys know Terry Williams is due to break one. And Logan has had some bobbles here or there. Like he's had a couple go off his helmet and stuff, but he's a threat as well. And they got the Philpot kid. Jalen Philpot could do some damage as well. So yeah, I mean, Glenn Suter could tell you pretty much from mid-September, I've just been saying, I can't wait till that playoff game between the Stampeders and the Lions. Like, I, I think it's going to be, I think it has the potential to be an all-time great CFL playoff game. It, does, it has to live up to it, but with the rosters and the coaching and the season that these two teams have had and the storylines coming into it, uh, this could be an all-time classic. I can't wait. I'm very honored to broadcast this game. I can't wait. Another big storyline here for for Sunday afternoon in, in Vancouver is is the crowd. We got the we got the upper bowl open. Like don't feel the advantage is going to be a real thing. We're excited for that. We're excited to get thirty thousand plus. So you called that that season opener with the One Republic concerts and awesome. all the other festivities. Yeah, like explain that gives a real advantage, right? 
Well, I, I think it does. Um, and, you know, just being there for that home opener and having done, you know, what well, this is my third, second full year, but third year in the league doing games. And I've been down to BC for a bunch of them. And that home opener, when I was walking down to the stadium, and I like to walk down, it's like a 10-minute walk from the hotel, so I like to walk down there on game days. And and it's downhill, so that obviously helps. But I, uh, <laughs> the, the, the atmosphere outside was awesome. I, I, I got my phone out, and I walked through the crowd, and I was just like, this is absolutely incredible. I mean, it, I think at that point, you guys, like, two or three blocks blocked off. The party was going. The band was hitting. And then, you know, obviously not every game is going to be like that just yet. But even after that, that atmosphere outside BC Place for pretty much every home game was awesome. I thought you guys were doing a great job down there. Uh, and then inside, you know, the crowd for the uh, for the One Republic game, that that home opener was excellent. There's been a few other decent crowds when I've been there as well. And then I guess for that Bombers game, I didn't do that last Bombers game. The, the whole lower bowl was sold out. So I, I've never had a chance to kind of settle in at BC Place and do a game where, you know, you're 16 rows deep up top as well. Um, so I'm... I'm really looking forward to it because it's a great place to call a game from uh first of all, the last thing I wanted to do was in early November, call a game for McMahon because I'm sure <laughs> it's going to be horrible here in Alberta uh, this weekend. I know we're looking at like three days of consecutive snow here in Edmonton starting later tonight. Uh, so I love the fact that we're going to be indoors BC place. And it's just a great broadcast location, like right down close to the field. It's amazing. So um, yeah, I mean, I really hope we don't get a dud because this is shaping up to be great. Yeah, and hey, uh, you just mentioned that you wouldn't be surprised if the winner of this game moved on and upset Winnipeg, but that's due respect to the Bombers, a franchise record 15 wins. The west side of the bracket is clearly deep, and I've said this on previous episodes of our podcast, Dustin, you can make a case for any of the three Eastern teams being in Regina in a couple weeks' time. I mean, do you see it that way? I mean, how wide open is this Grey Cup race in your eyes? I I do see it that way. I think whoever comes out of the West will be, from a betting perspective, probably a rather, maybe not significant favorite, but, you know, somewhat of a heavy favorite. I mean, and I know people in the East will look and point to, you know, Hamilton's beat this team in the West and this team in the West and Toronto and and that. I get it. Uh, In my opinion, the top three teams in the league are these three teams in the West playoffs right now. But that doesn't Mm -hmm. mean the East playoffs aren't going to be incredible either. I mean, you've got Hamilton, who... I, I had a lot of high hopes for Hamilton. I think a lot of people did early in the season, and I I kept kind of doubling down on them, saying, "Oh, I think they're better than their, I think their roster's better than the way it's looked so far." And they've started to figure it out. They've got a group and you know a leadership core and a coaching staff that has been there, um, you know, back to back years as well. So I don't know if I'd necessarily count them out in the postseason. You've got the Alouette, and then you got the Alouettes and Argos, and up until you know just a final couple of weeks here where they had to go head to head. Um, they were two of the hottest teams in the Canadian Football League, right? So uh, the Alouettes were one, the one team that went out to IG Field and beat the Bombers this year. I called that game. Didn't expect that, but it hmm. happened. Uh, so I think all those teams have guys defensively that can make some big plays. Uh, it'll just be interesting to see if McLeod Bethel-Thompson or Trevor Harris uh, can get it done in a, in a big game in Regina against whoever comes out of the West. They're going to be a very good team. And, you know, especially if it's Winnipeg, or Calgary, or Vancouver, those fans are going to travel, no doubt about it, to Regina. So um, I, I tend to favor the West. And now maybe it's biased because I spent pretty much all my time in the West this year. But statistically, in the records, and, you know, East versus West, and West versus East, 
it favors the West this year. So it would be an upset if somebody from the East wins it, but that doesn't mean the East playoffs alone aren't going to be terrific because that's three pretty evenly matched football teams. Two very good semifinals on tap Sunday, beginning with the Tiger Cats going in to Montreal. Uh, very well said, uh, Dustin. Now, we, we really appreciate you taking the time, uh, and uh, it's great that you've been calling some good Lions games this year, and, and hopefully the best is yet to come, my friend. Thanks for joining us. Hey, I'm sorry that it took me this long to connect with you guys. I know you've reached out a few times. <laughs> I apologize. I'm super busy, but I wanted to get on. And this is a great week. I mean, this is the game we really want to talk about all year. So thanks exactly. for having me, boys, and uh, we'll have to do it again. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it, Dustin. See you Sunday. Dustin Nielsen, you can hear him on TSN 1260 in Edmonton. Uh, one of the newer, fresher voices on CFL on TSN. Love love his calls. Love how excited he gets. And <laughs> the Lions and the Stampeders, for that matter, gave him some exciting ones to call this season. Yeah, he's quickly become one of my favorites to listen to. And I think that's an overwhelmingly common opinion. Brings mm-hmm. a lot of energy to the broadcast, which is something that I always enjoy. You, when it's a big play, you you can tell just by the energy of his voice. Yeah, Dust. So we'll have Dustin, Glenn Suter, Farhan. It's a big game when Farhan's there. You know that. Farhan Lalji. Look forward to uh, hanging out with him on the sidelines and uh, getting his insights on the wonderful game of football. Uh, we teased it a bit earlier while well, we have a few minutes here. X Factors. Playoff football, all about the X Factors. And I'm going to let you go first because you have a couple of good ones. Who who are your two Lions X Factors? We're going one on offense, one on defense. On offense for me, it's it's got to be Brian Burnham. It looks like he's going to be back this, this game. So yep. he led the team in all three games against Calgary this season. He had over 300 yards in those three games this season. Um, I mean, he's he's known as Mr. Reliable and Mr. Clutch, Mr amazing catch and he's proved they can still do that this season so if there's going to be a third down situation if there's going to be a must-have touchdown the situation this game i think i don't know if you want to look any other way but brian burnham in this one um and then even there were a lot there were some doubters this year but whether burnham is gonna still be the elite player that he can be and he only suited up in nine games but if he was on pace for an 18 game season, which is double the work that he or half the work that he actually put in the season, pro rated injuries, yeah. yeah, he was on pace for an 82 catch, 1192 <laughs> yard, and eight touchdown seasons. Yeah, so I, I think it's safe to say Brian Burnham is still one of the top receivers in the CFL. And if BC's uh, gonna win this game, he has to be one of them in that game. But who you who you who you liking on offense? Well, who you like on defense? Did you say on defense? I don't want to go. Okay, on oh, I, I thought we were going. Okay, I, I, I see where we're I'll, I'll okay. let you go on offense now. Quick note on Burnham. Um, last year, they were trying like heck to get him a thousand yards. Remember, it was only a 14 game year and he did miss a couple times with a broken hand. So pro rated last year, he would have been well over two if it was a normal 18 game season. Okay, offense. I know it's the easy thing to do, but simply uh, he's a big reason the team banked enough wins early to hang on to second place. Nathan Rourke, look, um, might not be 100%. He's never going to admit it one way or the other. And, you know, all due respect to what Vernon Adams Jr., um, brilliant guy, solid quarterback, won a couple big games as well as done. Uh, this will be Nathan Rourke's team. And uh, I, like everybody else, Nick, very curious to see just how much he brings back that he was able to accomplish with the first nine games where he led in virtually every single category and was on pace to break records that had stood for over 30 years since some guy named Doug Flutie played here. Just like Jake Mayer, it is his first start. Uh, two first-year playoff quarterbacks. That just adds to the intrigue. And um, 
a lot of people are buying their tickets because of this guy, Nick, too. So um, I, I'm excited to see what number 12 is going to do here. And then on defense, I'm I'm looking at Marcus Sales here. He's he's the hot hand right now. He's got three interceptions in his last three games. He has four in the season. Uh, the Lions are undefeated when he gets an interception too, so that's something to look out for. If maybe he gets gets his hands on one early, it's a good sign. Um, but he plays he plays that boundary halfback spot a lot too, and it's a very important position on the on the defense um, because of the shorter field. Even though it's the rules, the hash marks change, it's still a very important spot in the defense. Um, plays alongside one of the best uh, defensive backs in Gary Peters too, so they've developed good chemistry. And those two are probably going to be seeing a lot of Malik Henry and Kamar Jordan this this game, which are two of the best in the league to do it. So uh, they'll have their hands full and i think marcus uh he's a good tackler as well so he contributes in all kind of all the facets in the game and I, he's been he's been playing some really good football lately and when he clicks i think the binds the lions defense clicks too it's a guy with championship experience too right too, uh, yeah. 2019 uh, a great cup champion with winnipeg and, and i know this for a fact and uh, neil mcavoy ryan Rigmaiden, when when they told me that we were signing this player uh, early in 2021 uh, just ecstatic and um, you've seen why in in various spurts. So defense for me, go, going to do this a little bit differently because one, it's a very important area, and two, the Lions have, have relied on both of these players in a rotation basis this year. I'm going to go Matthew Betts and uh, David, Vinard, David Menard, um, the double French-Canadian duo there at Russia. And hey, Menard led the team with 10 sacks, right? And uh, Betts proved why uh, he was targeted early in the free agent negotiation window period. Some people may have rolled their eyes uh, saying, why are you paying that kind of money for a guy who's really only been a backup? But that's how free agency works. And now you're seeing it. The three meetings with Calgary, Nick, you know this. No quarterback sacks. 11 sacks for the Stamps. Zero. Donut. Nothing for the Lions over three meetings. And if they're going to reverse that trend, uh, both of those two players are going to have to play a big role, as will uh, Obum Gwachem or Sioni Teohema, whoever it may be, be on the other rush end. But I really wanted to focus on the two Canadians because those guys' production has given the Lions even more ratio flexibility. Mm-hmm. And it's a unit, too, that was they were third in the CFL with 45 sacks. So it's not like, yeah. they, not like they struggled throughout the year. They were one of the more impressive units in the entire league this season. And I found that... When, when the Lions defense and, and a lot of these wins, the, the defensive line, they won their, they actually finished. They got, they finished the job and got to the quarterbacks. And you think about those two Saskatchewan wins come to mind where they had, I think like 13 sacks combined. Uh, the, the two Edmonton wins at home uh, to start the season, uh, defensive line had a plethora of sacks too. The Winnipeg game, even that they won here, a lot of sacks. So I find that when the Lions defense uh, gets home to the quarterback, it's a sign that they're going to win the football game and something they're going to be half to doing against Calgary this week. Yep. Uh, line of scrimmage, hit on it earlier, going to be outstanding. So we've given you uh, our X factors on both sides of the ball. Uh, we encourage you to stay tuned to bclions.com, uh, all kinds of content. Uh, we're going to break it all down and um, going to be talking to players, coaches, uh, first and now here like you're subscribing. Make sure you subscribe, uh, rate, leave a review on your favorite podcast platform uh, i'm at bakes takes 84 he is at nick underscore kowalski reminder bclions.com uh, all kinds of ticketing options including again uh, pump the tires one more time uh, props to george chica our longtime vp for for getting this done as well uh, island football fans uh 40 adults 
You get your game ticket and round trip bus if you buy a ferry foot passenger ticket, ferry fare, so to speak. So can't help you with the ferry, but uh, transportation to and from, you can't beat that deal if you're a fan from Vancouver Island. Nick, rest up this week. It's going to be good. Yeah, it's crunch time. And we'll be back to hopefully recap a victory next week on First and Nine.